I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome back to The Brand is Female. This week, my guest is Vivian Rizzi, a trailblazer in the real estate industry who's been forging her path since the early days of her career. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brand is Female Conversation Series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section, and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. At just 18, Vivian entered the male-dominated world of real estate, facing skepticism and doubt, but she refused to yield to stereotypes, embarking on a journey where giving up was never an option. Today, she's president and broker of one of North America's largest real estate brokerages. In this episode, we uncover Vivian's impressive story, one marked by resilience, determination, and the unwavering pursuit of her dreams. Vivian's journey parallels the challenges many young founders face when navigating the fast growth of their companies. She's no stranger to adversity and the complexities of leadership. In this conversation with Vivian, she shares her journey, her leadership philosophy grounded in authenticity and listening, and her unwavering commitment to inspiring others to overcome their obstacles and achieve their dreams. Vivian's story is simply put a testament to the heights women can reach with vision, determination, and an unshakable belief in themselves. Here's our conversation. It's such a pleasure having you on The Brennis Female today. Thank you for making time to speak with me. Thank you for having me on, Eva. It's a pleasure to be here. I like to start these conversations by rewinding and going back in time a little bit um, to get to your origin story. When you were growing up as a young girl, what did you imagine you'd be doing as a career later in life? And was it at all connected to what you're actually doing today? Or was it something completely different? That's a really good question. You know, if I think back growing up, we are a young immigrant family environment. Um, I really didn't think of myself doing what I'm doing today, to be honest with you. Mm. We were dealing with a lot of, you know, other things at the time, but I did have a tendency to um, listen a lot. And uh, I was like a sponge listening to the conversation that we would have with my dad being in construction at the dinner table. There's always that dinner table conversation that is so important to families, right? Whether it's, you know, bantering or whatever, but there's always a conversation that is that is, has value to it. So I walked away with listening to my father talking about construction, real estate, um, all of that conversation that evolved over the time. So it was something that was always in the talks. So it was not a surprise that I was shifting over to the real estate industry because I really thought it was very interesting and intriguing. And what, what got my attention mostly was we would, my dad would start it off as a contractor and then he started buying a lot and then he built a house and we would move in. And every time we moved in and they were just very humble little bungalows, I thought, Oh, this is our new home. And then mm. we'd be moving. 
And I went, oh, okay, <laughs> we're moving. <laughs> Why are we moving? And, but it, it got, you know, it really was something of an experience. So when I realized, oh, my dad said, we're moving because this is how we're building our equity. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting conversation. So I learned very quickly about the moving and building equity. Mm, Very interesting. So it did prepare you for what you chose to do as a career. And well, let's jump to that next step. So what made you um, want to be in the business you're in today? And how did you get there? Well, that's a, you know, that evolved, actually. So I started off as a realtor. Mm-hmm. I got my license at these, you know, as soon as I could qualify to get my license at a young age. And what I did is I went into sales because I was very naturally a people person, right. um, you know, in school and I would my part-time jobs, I was always with people interacting. And so real estate came naturally to me talking to people and I loved solving problems for people. Mm-hmm. And this was way back when real estate was handled differently than it is today. But I found myself, you know, doing well, very successful in the sales business. And as life has it, and as we're dealing with, you know, similar, um, you know, economic conditions today, um, recessions hit and interest rates just went mm-hmm. to the roof. They were 18, 20%. Wow. So people are complaining today about rates. I yeah. know. <laughs> I want to say, when I was, you know, I don't want to go you, into that. You've, you've seen it all. <laughs> seen it all, lived it, lived through it. And um, so having that experience was really, you know, um, had an effect on, on, you know, not taking anything for granted and, and pivoting. Mm-hmm. Pivoting was something that I learned to do very quickly, you know, naturally, either you, you sink or you swim. Right. So what, you know, swimming is what I chose to do. So I learned to pivot through those economic times. And with that, you know, there's a lot of personal, you know, down times as well. Right. And I was faced with a situation where, I wasn't even thinking of being a broker. I just didn't have a mindset for that. I thought a broker was a male's job. Mm, and I, I, I should be saying this during a woman's podcast. No, I no, did. it's fascinating. Absolutely. I did. You know, in my mind, I was programmed, as we were mm. all programmed, that a broker was a male. Mm. And a broker, you know, was a man that would, you know, handle business and handle um, all kinds of business decisions and people. So I certainly did not visualize myself as being that image. But right. what happened and evolved was I was looking for stability. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with, you know, going back to the economic conditions, interest rates being, you know, very high, I was looking for a job where I could be dependable with my hours because I had three teen, three children that I was concerned about. And I thought, well, a single mom, mm-hmm. you know, challenges with that worries about what could happen. I need to be there, you know, in the evenings and weekends, I can't just go and do an offer because we didn't have the conveniences of electronic signatures or even the emails for that fact. So everything was getting in person. Yeah. Get in your car, drive to the client's house. You know, irrevocable time is one minute before midnight. So it was not unheard of that. I'd be out till one o'clock in the morning. Right. As many realtors were at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's when I made the decision of getting into some more of a stability. And with that was um, where the, where the, you know, I guess the challenge of what made me make the difference on just staying as a manager and versus being a business owner. It wasn't by choice. Mm-hmm. I really have to say the truth. It, it happened that the company that I was managing for, which was actually, so it was TD. TD bought Canada Trust. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I was Canada Trust. 
So Canada Trust had a real estate division. And through that process, they were, you know, they merged with TD. They were selling off the real estate division to an American company. So they just parted ways. And I was part of that transition. So I transitioned into this job of managing for Canada Trust, but Canada Trust was merging with TD. So we were then you know, sold off to an American uh, real estate division. And they were looking at selling off each location to different owners, which mm-hmm. meant my security was gone. Right. Within six months. Right. So six months I felt. That's okay, a bit I'm of a wake up call. It was a real wake up call. I'll be quite frank with you. So I felt that my security that was just yanked from underneath me, I thought, now what? So I got on the phone and I started making phone calls. And I called different brokers to say, would you be interested in buying my little office? And uh, they weren't buying because we were in a recession. Right. And one of them said, why don't you buy it? And I was like, how? I don't have any money to buy it. And he said, you're a good salesperson. Work with your terms. So I thought, hmm, you know, he had, he had a point because terms are just as important as price, as we know, when you're negotiating. So I thought, okay, let me work on these terms. So I did. I came up with the terms. I made a phone call to the president and um, proposed my purchase of my little office. And not to get into too many details, but fast forward, within a few months, it all happened. That Fantastic. I owning an office of mm-hmm. 18 realtors and it wasn't making money. Why would it be? Why would they be selling it if it was making money, right? <laughs> but I had an opportunity that I, I felt that I could control mm-hmm. because I had a vision. And my vision was to run a business totally different than what was being run before, whereas brokers were sending the realtors home when I was bringing in training. I thought, we need training. We need you know mentorship. We need more to offer than just transactional. You know, mm-hmm. real estate is not just transactional. Mm-hmm. We know that. It's building relationships. It's relationships, exactly. Exactly. So that's that's what all took place and ended up being a broker owner. I love that. That was a, a very smart move. And obviously, the rest is history. Um, mm-hmm. In those first few years, what would you say was one of the biggest obstacles you faced? You were now a business owner. You know, you had bought this office that wasn't necessarily profitable when, when you did make the transaction. So what was one of the toughest things you had to face? Um, controversy. Mm. Criticism. Huge, huge. Coming from the male sector, okay? You know, they, listen, I was, I was young and I was, you know, I'm not that big. I'm 5'4 if I stand really straight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I obviously can't tell in a podcast. <laughs> okay. yeah. but they looked at me as like, who are you? You're a female. You're not going to make it. Right. And I had a lot of controversy and a lot of fear was put out there that, you know, I wasn't reliable in the sense of, you know, mm. financially and stability. But I, you know, I had a decision to make. At first, it bothered me. I'd be lying if I said it didn't bother me. It really bothered me. But I mm. thought, no, no, if I, if, I, if I start trying to counteract that, it'll just waste a lot of my energy and I will lose focus on what my vision was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I thought, okay, I'm going to be that racer that if I look sideways, I'm going to lose my goal. Right. And I just stayed focused and I just kept going and kept on working hard. I put hours in, I worked hard. I, you know, I just demonstrated what my, what I believed in and I led by example and, um, and I drew people just by that people are coming to me saying, Hey, what are you doing? That's different. And mm-hmm. 
explaining the system, what we were doing, training, mentoring, you know, building those relationships. And did you find that you needed to build kind of that network around you? I mean, not just the the individuals working for you in the business, but, you know, were there trusted advisors that you started relying on and what, what did that community look like around you? Well, you know, you're right. Um, I, you know, you can't do it all. Right. Mm -hmm. And and as women, we often feel like we can, but (laughs) yeah, we always try. Yeah, we do. We do it all like we're juggling, but when it comes down to business uh, and skills, I'm not a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not an accountant. I'm not a contractor. I have an idea. So I, I lined myself with people that I felt, you know, had the right skills that could bring this together for me with me. And we created a, a team. And, um, you know, it wasn't a large team, but it was a team advisories that I would, you know, for example, when they brought in the financials, I didn't know how to read the financials properly. So I right. got an accountant to read them. And that's when he said to me, well, you're not making money. They're not making any money. And I was like, oh, okay. oops, <laughs> it's okay. But I kind of knew they weren't, but I really didn't know to what extent. And then right. they said, well, the phones are obsolete. These phones are going to be, you know, like you can't even operate these phones for another three months. They're going to be obsolete. And I thought, oh my God, I've got to buy a new phone. Back then there was no, you know, technology that we have today. So phones were expensive Mm -hmm. and phone Mm -hmm. systems were expensive. So I had to invest in that. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of things that I was made aware of that, you know, was brought to my attention. So I started working on systems and plans to say, how do I get this done? So Mm -hmm. I did some leasing of equipment, Listen, I utilized all my, my resources and I had really good relationships with banks. I've mm-hmm. always kept up, you know, I have to say, keep up those payments, never fail. doesn't matter what, you know, borrow, but just keep your, you know, your, your line of credit, your credit's so important. Yeah. Your credit's yeah. so important. And I, and I can't say that enough. So I had a really good relationship with all of the lenders out there and the specifically the banks that I dealt with, which was mm-hmm. Canada Trust, which then turned into TD. And they didn't hand over money, but they supported me and, you know, came up with solutions when they had to for me. And we worked together and collectively, you know, created that stability because I needed to come up with some form of a a line of credit for Mm -hmm. payroll. Because, as you know, real estate is is not always, you know, cash flow. Not instant. Yeah, that's right. So that that was part of it. So I did align myself with the right right people mm-hmm. and my children were young at the time so I couldn't bring them into it in the sense of you know uh, um, advisories so it was mostly professionals that I, I contacted and you know had great support well I mean you had the right instincts because you grew the business um, and today I believe you have 1300 realtors 12 locations across the GTA how what was your philosophy around growth and how did you eventually start thinking that okay I can scale this business and you know I can take it to the next level and was that something that intuitively you know you made happen or what, how, what did that process look like for you good question I you know I really didn't have that vision that I'm going to grow and monetize this company Um, I did, however, have some sort of an instinct when I was naming the company, when we were coming up with the name, I remember clearly having this conversation at the dinner table with my kids and they they participated. (laughs) I said, well, we have to come up with a name that is, is, is bigger than just a name of a person because one day you never know Mm -hmm. this company could be a company that somebody else may want to operate and it could be bigger than us. And we had that conversation to, see, to say, let's leave that open. Let's not, 
let's not box ourselves in with just, you know, a limited with just your name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we tried different names, but this name community realty was the one that we all came up collectively. And, you know, when we finally made that decision, we went to incorporate and um, somebody had just incorporated your community realty. Oh no. Oh. So we said, okay, we'll put your community realty. Gotcha. And it was okay. It was done. So your community realty was born 1994. Mm. We were operational and uh, that's how that started. Now, growing the company. Well, I organically grew the company with my mentioning earlier, the training, the support, the mentorship, the vision I had. But what happened was interesting. It, it attracted people. Right. So people were dropping in, they were coming by, they were, you know, they wanted to join. So I went from 18 realtors organically to 50 realtors within a very short period of time. And I thought, Oh, I'm growing quickly here. And then I had space limitations and, you know, I believe in positive energy. I really mm-hmm. do. And I put it out there saying something will happen. I know something's going to happen. I don't know when or where, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And one day, one of my ex-realtors um, that we worked with that has a company mm-hmm. uh, contacted me. He said, can we meet for lunch? And I said, sure, let's go for lunch. He wasn't my favorite person, but you know what? It's okay. <laughs> I always say to my kids, you never say no to a meeting, right? right. You never know. You never, you never know. know. Exactly. That's how networks are built. Exactly. And we did. We met and uh, he shared his story that his office manager had just walked out and took 12 of his realtors mm. and he had a large operation. And he said, look, I've decided that I've, you know, I've got all the space across the street, maybe a kilometer away, and maybe I'll sell you my company with the rest of the agents. And I was thinking, no, I love the company idea. He would close down his operation and merge with mine. And I said, I'm not looking for partnership. Not going to happen. He said, okay, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm hundred percent. That's out of the question. So we made a deal and, um, you know, we, we moved out of my location, which like I was mentioning earlier was limited with space. Right. And hence we moved across the street, down the street and, uh, there we were. So we grew and instantly from this 50 agent realtor to about 90. Amazing. We had a bigger space too. Which in more space, more space. And, um, and then what happened from there was an interesting thing because then I, then I was, you know, people were approaching me and Royal LePage came by, A. Mm. LePage, Royal LePage. They came by and they said, um, you know, how did you manage to grow so quickly? You're, you know, you're recruiting. We have an office north of you, south of you. We're not, we're not doing what you do. Maybe you want to sell to us. And I said, no, no, I thought, no, this is not what I want to do. I just want my own security. Thank Mm. you very much. Don't want to give that up anymore. I've got three children. I don't want to hand anything off and then have to start all over again. So they approached me and said, well, when is your franchise up? We discussed that. And then um, they said, look, Royal LePage is uh, thinking of franchising. And I was, really? I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm interested. So I had to wait almost a year and a half. Hmm. And uh, I had my, my reservations because change is difficult. Right. Right. But I, I went through the conversations, asked all the questions, and then the due date came. I thought, okay, I've got to make a decision here. And they said, okay, well, we'll sell you two companies, two offices. Well, by me acquiring these two offices, which were, one was north of me and one was south, I would instantly double in size. Amazing. And that scared me. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> too much too soon. Too much. I, no, no, this is way over my head. No, it's way over my head. 
Don't do it. You're not ready for this. Way over my head. And I was like, wait a second. Why is it over my head? Mm. You know, it was me talking to me, right? Yeah. Do you have yeah. conversations with yourself? Great conversation. <laughs> exactly. Well, and often we have to kind of push out the voice that comes from fear, right? This was fear change, it sounds fear, like. Fear change. Exactly. You hit a nail on the head. It's fear change. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And we did. I made the paperwork, put the paperwork together. And so January 1 or you know, January the 12th, 1999, I made that that transition over Wonderful. to Royal LePage and grew and then they loved how I, I, you know, transitioned because that was tricky as well. These are corporately owned offices. They don't really like being sold to a, in, a you know, an independent. An independent. Sure. But it went really well. Thank God we had good relationships with agents and, you know, everything. It, there was a few challenges along the way. I, have to, I would be lying if I said there were not. There were a few challenges, but we worked them through. We listened. You know, I met with everybody. I left my door open for weeks. And people lined up just to come in and voice their concerns and dealt with all of those concerns. Mm-hmm. People need to be heard. Yeah. I learned one thing. They need to be heard and you need to, you know, understand what their fears are so that you can work and help them through that. Mm-hmm. And things like I mentioned went smoothly. And then they approached me to buy another location, which was Unionville. And I went with that one. So, you know, we just kept on growing. And then the more you grow, the more people came and the more services we brought in again the vision was remained the same and i just kept on and adding more services marketing department better training all of the above and better equipment and uh, mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's how it all happened <laughs> love hearing that story and it sounds like you know you just seize the opportunity and by kind of having that vision for what you wanted to achieve the opportunities materialize for you which is which is always yes. wonderful when it works out that way when it works out yeah this season of The Brand is Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. You've also become an expert at integrating new teams and new team players. So I wonder what does leadership mean for you and and what's your vision as a leader? What kind of role do you think you get to play with your team and as far as implementing culture within your organization? That's, That's a great question. You know, culture is so important. And what I find is each one of my locations has a different culture. Hmm. Interesting. Unique. Totally. Unique. You think you're in another world. Okay. But the culture is so important. And we never, ever believe, I tried to, to merge them into one. So we've kept them individually and we go out to each location and have events at each location with that culture. And we embrace the culture because we feel it's so unique and so special So we really do believe in that part, very much so. And when it comes to leadership, a leader, you know, I believe has to lead by example. Yep. You have to be authentic. 
you know, it's not, it's not a, a, a books that you read. It's not any of that. It's really knowing what you're talking about. And it's really uh, listening to what people are saying, mm-hmm. you know, because people don't listen enough. They just go on and on and on. One liners and it works for yeah. everybody. It doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> it doesn't. You've got to listen to what people's needs are, and yeah. I believe that's part of a good leader. And you know, bringing people together and really, you know, you know, everybody's got something to contribute. And I listen to everybody's input, but at the end, the buck stops here, right? right. So then I make yeah. the decisions, yeah. and they accept it because they know that I've considered everything. Mm-hmm. I've considered mm-hmm. it all. You know, mm-hmm. like right now we're dealing with administrative, um, you know, change. Well, I'm listening to the administrators. They don't like change, and I get it, but I want to hear them. I want to hear what it is that they're, they, they're, they're thinking and what their fears are, mm-hmm. and let's make sure that we do this right so that they, everybody works collectively together because it's really important as a team to work together. Yeah. So my, my philosophy is bringing the team to work together. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can't – nothing happens if people are not – Meeting meeting of the minds yeah. is really important. So that to me is a good is, is a you know to very important on leadership. And I'm I'm really about no ego. Mm-hmm. I think that's like there's no room for ego mm-hmm. in my in my my books. I think no no there's no room for ego. No, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Let's just talk. Let's all you know we all come from the same place. Mm-hmm. We all have great you know contributions. Let's embrace everybody's good qualities and make great things happen. And authenticity goes a long way, right? You can't go wrong if you're authentic as a leader and if you're, you know, you're the, the best version of yourself at your teams. Um, and you've brought all of that wisdom into the two books that you've written and published, which is very exciting. So I love the titles. The first was Yes, You Can. It All Starts With You. And the second one was 24 Hours Is All It Takes, Daily Habits Guaranteed to Change Your Life. What inspired you to write the first book? And, you know, and um, how did you find time to write a book in addition to running your business? And cr- Great. You know what? I love that because... Nobody has enough time for anything. Exactly. Time is so you know, important to all of us. So what happened was this. I would be asked questions. How did you do it? Mm-hmm. How did you become a broker? Like, what mm-hmm. did you do? How did you do it? And I thought, I kept on, and I would give people the honest, you know, well, this is what happened. You know, I was, you know, in a situation. And I would share my story, and they'd walk away going, wow. I thought it was, you know, easier that I thought it was handed over to you, but no, it wasn't. It was challenges that made me, it was hard work. Put me in a position to make decisions that got me out of my comfort zone. Right. Mm. Anyway, with that, I thought, okay, why don't I just write the book? Yes, you can. Because I felt that, yes, you can do it. I kept on saying that to people, but you can do it too. Yes, you can. It doesn't have to be the same, but you can do things when you're under pressure. Yes, mm-hmm. you can. So mm-hmm. it came naturally. And so I decided to write the book with the help of a ghostwriter. Okay. Help of a ghostwriter. But that it, helps a little bit. <laughs> but and the my, ideas are still yours. So exactly. Mm-hmm. But where it all came from was I was going to a speaking event, right? And I was on stage introducing the mentor that I, that really, you know, sparked in me a change to not lose focus of my goal during challenging times. And that was rich Anthony Robbins, right? Tony mm-hmm. Robbins. Mm-hmm. And I went to see him when he just started. Like he was a, he really was not anywhere. He's he was performing on a stage over at you know in a local banquet hall. None of this music and you know yeah. five people. <laughs> yeah. No. 
he had a, he hadn't reached his glory days yet as right as, as he exactly but the message that he gave at the time really was close to my heart I thought mm-hmm. he hit home so I walked away with that and anyways 20 years later 25 years later I'm you know going to these events and I got to know the organizers very well and he said you know you're such a loyal person and you got to know me he said do you want to introduce Tony on stage now this was an event in Toronto mm-hmm. and there was I think it was like 5,000 people. Wow. 5,000 people. And I said, my first thought was, no, I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. I'll freeze up. Right. And then I thought, he goes, but it's easy. He said, you know, we'll give you a script. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you just follow the script. You don't have to come up with anything because, you know, it's very important that you follow the script. And I said, if it's that easy, maybe I'll think, okay, I'll do it. I I thought, what else is an opportunity like this going to happen? Mm-hmm. And so I, I said, okay, so all day long, people get there early. He's on around two o'clock in the afternoon. And so I'm, I'm looking at the script and I'm reading it and, and I'm following the word, you know, the whole ordeal and order of the script. And then he comes on stage and then I get off the stage and I've done my moment of that. Well, I get on the stage and I go, you know, with my note on the stage and I welcomed and everybody's excited. The room's like cheering and I start introducing him. And I get the, the MC comes up and he puts a note in front of me. And I was like, that's what, why did somebody cover my notes? What's happening. Yeah. And, and he says, Tony's not here. He's stuck in traffic. Oh no. <laughs> Said to <laughs> fill in. <laughs> I thought, okay. Okay. This is not good. This is not good because <laughs> I just finished telling him what we're Now they're like staring at me and I'm like, Oh, and I just, I went into this, you know, I leaned over like this and I looked at him and I said, oh, really, Tony's stuck in traffic. And then people start laughing, right? They start, they right. thought it was a skit yeah. we had going. He's a yeah. comedian, don't forget. Right. And he's, um, you know, goes, yeah, he's stuck in traffic. I said, well, of course. I mean, we should have known that. And then we got into this bantering and people were laughing. They thought, oh, this is part of the show. Part of the event, yeah. And, yeah, right. And of course, we're laughing and jocking. And he says, yo, well, how did you get into this business, Vivian? What, you know, how did you achieve what you did? And share with us your story. So I went and I was like, of course. And of course, I'm going to kill you. I love that. With no preparation, no warning. Nothing. You just jumped in the cold water. I honestly, yeah. I don't know if I could do it again today. I go, it was like, <laughs> well, so, sometimes the universe brings us these opportunities for a reason, right? So yeah. it, it was for you to, you know, lose that sense of fear around sharing yeah. your story, speaking publicly. That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So I did. I shared my story when I first went to my first Tony Robbins event, how it all happened, how I, I didn't have the money and how the salesperson that was selling the, the, the tickets said, well, you know, you can't afford not to go. And it really got my attention. I thought, well, I don't have the money and I can't afford not to go. I better go. Mm. I'm going to go. So I went and how it you know influenced me and how it affected me three, four years later, when this other opportunity came up on how all of a sudden I did kick in. I was like, okay, here's my opportunity. Just go with it. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't matter what, just go with it. Okay. And take control of your life. And that's what I did. So I shared the story. Anyway, there was a, there was a, a publisher in the room. Ah, got you. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. So he contacts me right away. The next day, con- I got to speak. I want you to write a book. Your story is, you know, uh, inspiring. And I didn't realize how inspiring it was because my emails were filling up and the, the organizer said, do you mind if I give them your email address? They want, a lot of people are contacting us. I thought, oh, okay, sure. I'm happy to help. 
happy to help, but never thought about a publisher. Mm -hmm. So that's where the book came from. I see. Got you. That's where you, yes, you can came from. And 24 hours is all it takes. Tell me a little bit about what, what kind of, I mean, I, I I read a little bit about what's in the book. I haven't read the book from cover to cover, but what can we expect if we pick up that title? Um, And is, it sounds like it's something that you've implemented yourself and then you're sharing your method with readers. It's it's the power of the day. Mm. Every day is valuable Mm -hmm. and you can't buy time. Right. We can buy everything else out there, but time is a commodity that nobody can buy. Mm-hmm. And what you do in that 24 hours is is so important that every hour, every minute of that day has so much meaning to what's going to happen the next day. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, if you think about setting goals and you've got so much to do, right? I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And it's like, it becomes overwhelming. So that word overwhelming Mm-hmm. is is crazy because if you can't do it all in mm-hmm. one shot right. so just stop that process of oh i gotta do all this and i don't know where to start yeah mm-hmm. where do i start you start first thing in the morning and it's little steps that you take it's not big ones it's not monumental mm-hmm. it's teeny little steps that you take during that day that will get you closer will get you where you want to be because if you don't start mm-hmm. and you know that not, the right time will never come. Exactly. The right day will never come. You'll never be ready enough. You'll, you'll never, never be prepared be enough. Mm-hmm. A year goes by, two years go by. And all of a sudden you find yourself life's gone by. Mm-hmm. Life is too short. So you start with 24 hours and that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And I really got inspired when it was during COVID Mm. people lost their focus on what they were doing everybody's schedules were thrown off completely like people were lost I remember the first zoom we did I was shocked at the faces I thought oh my god I think we have a bunch of depressed people on screen yes I believe you (laughs) it was so it was such it was so uh, you know sad and Mm. I, I got concerned and so I started calling them saying are you okay you know yeah, no, it's really hard. And I know it was hard. So we started having mm-hmm. more of these powwow sessions and, you know, and, and networking and interacting on the screen. But that's exhausting, too. Mm-hmm. That was exhausting. It is. Well. Yeah, it was extremely tiring. Oh, my gosh. It's like really took a lot of energy, right? Yeah. And of course, I'm up there trying to keep everybody motivated and inspired. So you kind of like have to really mm-hmm. excel to get it across the screen. Whereas if you're in a room face to face, it's a different energy altogether. But I found that that's why I thought, okay, Everybody's schedules changed. Mm. How do we feel normal again? Mm. How do we feel normal? You start you start rescheduling yourself, and it starts first thing in the morning. I'm a huge, huge, huge believer on waking up early. Mm-hmm. That to me is everything. That right. sets my day. It yeah. sets my day, and I've got this inner clock. I never have an alarm on. It's just I never had to, and I'm nothing against alarms. I'm good mm-hmm. with that. My grandkids have three alarms that go off. Right, so I get that. <laughs> That would annoy me. I'd be throwing it out of the window. I hear you. I'm part of the same club. <laughs> okay. No alarm needed. Yeah, right? Because instinctively, we, we have this inner inner clock. And getting up early upon sunrise is like, there's nothing better than getting up and just watching the sun come up. Mm-hmm. Or first thing in the morning as it's coming over the, you know, the trees and you see the sun. You own the day. Mm-hmm. You own the day. And it's yours to do what you want with it. doesn't matter what obstacles come your way you'll handle it. And if you start early 
and start looking. First of all, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Take that hour, whatever you want to take after you, before your phone starts, before the emails start, before the kids get up. Mm-hmm. Take that moment and just do what you want for you. Whether it's go for a walk, whether it's do yoga, whether you go to the gym, whether you do sit-ups on the floor, it doesn't matter. You have to make it complicated. Mm-hmm. People overthink things sometimes. And that's why you never start, well, I'm going to start working out when I get time. Yeah, because exactly. Got, when do you get time to pack your bag to go to the gym? Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. You know, for me, anyways, it's difficult. But yeah. I mean, you, you don't need to start with a full, you know, one hour workout. You can start small. Bang on, small. I even brought my weights in my closet. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I thought if I, if I see them right there, I'll pick them up. Yeah. But for me to go downstairs and get them, uh, I may waste a day or two. Mm-hmm. So make it easy. Make it accessible. doesn't have to be fancy. And it works for me. So taking that moment for you, take care of you mentally too. Take deep breathing, whatever it takes. And just say, okay, I'm ready for the day. Mm-hmm. And then start your day. And every hour is important. Don't waste it. And if there's issues that happen, of course, there's going to be pivots along the way. Learn to maneuver around them. Expect them. Actually, what I do is I kind of manifest what could go wrong. Okay, mm. what could go wrong today? There's always something that, that happens that is unexpected. And I go, well, if this happens, I can do this. If that happens, I can do that. Listen, you yeah. can't. You play always, out the scenario. What's the worst do, that can happen, right? So you don't freeze up. Yeah. Because people freeze up and they don't. And, and if you get yourself comfortable and say, I can handle, God forbid, you know, anything that, you know, is handleable other than health. I can handle what comes my way. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just be calm and just say, okay, let's handle it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where 24 came from. So I started putting down on paper. Well, cause I was, again, people are asking, how do you do it? What do you do every day? Do you do this? Do you do? And I would tell them the truth and they go, oh yeah, right. And I go, honestly, that's what I do. I don't go to f- get facials. Okay, we're women. I can talk about this. Right? <laughs> I love. I think it's important to take care of yourself. Yeah, I don't have the time. I'll go buy the stuff at the store. I'll buy great quality stuff. I'll do it myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, I believe in it, but I won't do without it mm-hmm. because I can't get to a facility. Right. You know, during yeah. COVID, it's difficult to go anywhere. So yeah, you there's always a plan. There's always a workaround. Yeah, so you don't have to neglect yourself. Mm-hmm. You don't have to neglect your your food. You don't have to neglect. And if you do, don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, We're not perfect. No, it's like, of course you're going to gain weight during, you know, the things that happen that, that have been thrown up. We all went through that. Mm-hmm. Don't beat yourself up. You're only human and it's okay. Just start getting yourself back on track. So that's what 24 is about. It's really simple day-to-day steps to keep you, get you back on track and to keep you focused on getting through your amazing 24 hours that has, again, the most valuable time of your life. Love that. And it's great because, you know, you've implemented that yourself, you know, it works. It's been, you know, keeping you going all these years uh, and you've Mm -hmm. built a phenomenal business. Which also brings me to ask you, and you've shared, you know, already some some great insights that I think are are really inspiring. If you had to pick three tips that you'd like to share with women entrepreneurs, so maybe a woman who's thinking about starting a business, a woman who's already running her own business, outside of the you know the twenty four hour approach and, and and integrating good daily habits, what would be those three pieces of advice? First and foremost is be fearless. Be fearless. Love that. Because, you know, being fearless will get you through 
anything that comes your way. And, you know, don't let change, because change is happening very quickly around us with technology and the way we run our business. It's like, oh my God, everything's changing. My business is going to change. I guess I'm out of bit. No, Mm -hmm. embrace change. Mm -hmm. Adapt. Adapt, because change is inevitable Mm -hmm. and change is growth. Change is evolution. So to me, it's important. Um, And it's okay to make mistakes. You know, mistakes are lessons, life lessons. By making mistakes, we know how to get to our goal or get to where we want to go because we know what not to do. Mm -hmm. Right. So most successful people, if you look in history, have made huge mistakes. Right. But they've learned what, what not to do. And I guess, you know, we can talk about what all these things, but believe in you. Believe in yourself. I think, you know, we need to do more of that. We women are, are really, you know, strong, but we've, you know, with it, with it, whatever it is in our DNA, some women don't really believe in themselves. And, and it's our upbringing, it's our culture, whatever you call, you know, environment. We have to work harder. I accept that. Why do I have to work harder than the guy? Well, you know what? Maybe one day we won't, but right now we do. And let's not back down. Do not back down. Work harder, be heard. Be heard. Yeah. And also, you know, really know what your purpose is. Very important. Right? Because if we don't know our purpose, we're not doing things for the right reasons. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's important. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Vivian, this was, it was amazing to hear your journey and your story. Very inspiring. I will link to the two books for anyone who's interested in reading and learning more. And thank you so much for making time and sharing all of these wonderful insights with us today. Great. And thank you so much for having me on. It was great chatting with you as well. And we, listen, this is lots of fun. And I hope to, uh, to contribute. If anyone out there got something out of what we shared today, it's my pleasure. And it's what I'm here for. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to the Brand is Female podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to our editor, Isabel Morris, and our editorial manager, Mackie Domingo. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more. Yeah.